Everybody said amen. Isaiah chapter 55. I could read the whole chapter. It's not a lengthy chapter, but it is such a beautiful passage. But for the sake of time, let me go to verse 12. He said, for you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Let me, if you will, read that portion from the New Living Translation. Verse number 12 or verse number 13, he said, Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. And they will be an everlasting sign of His power and His love. Praise God. Praise God. I spoke to you last week about being challenged to change. I didn't know I would follow it up with this, but I feel in the will of God to talk to you for a little while this morning about where real change happens. Where real change happens. We've heard almost every song this morning, perhaps all of them. The word change has been in every one of them. It's it's almost as if the Holy Ghost has been on megaphone this morning trying to get our attention, saying, I have something to say to you. Anybody interested in hearing from the word of the Lord? Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, almighty God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. It's amazing how one word has a way of capturing your attention and speaking volumes to you. And you get so immersed in it that you lose sight of the rest of the surroundings. And it has been so with this verse, this 13th verse in particular of Isaiah for me. The passage, if you read the entirety, uh, begins by speaking to all who are thirsty to come and to take the waters of life and he that hath no money come and eat and he that uh, uh, cannot buy come and uh, you can enjoy all of these blessings and benefits in your life without price without price God is such a great and merciful God that he supplies us with all things needful in our life. And if you read this chapter, you're going to come upon some very familiar passages of Scripture that we've often heard quoted. 
He said, Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee, because, because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek you the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And on and on. He goes on down to say, For so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, and it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that whereto I sent it. And then we begin our reading this morning. The passage to me is one of the most beautiful and inspiring promises of the Old Testament. It is actually a foreshadowing of the gospel. It is a picture of what Jesus Christ came to do for all humanity. Some people attribute this chapter to the millennial, and I believe that there are probably some aspects of it that could apply to the millennial. But I also believe that it more aptly defines the transforming power of the gospel of grace that you and I have experienced in our life. And it is the promise that what would happen in this world in our lives when God's spirit enters, it would be transforming. That when God becomes involved, that when he is allowed into the equation and he enters in, there is an effective controlling element that takes place in our lives. To me, it is a parable of hope. It has great promises hidden in every verse. And it is a prophecy to me of better things. And there are sacred lessons that can be found within its text. And it declares an everlasting truth. I love that word, everlasting. Not to one generation or one dispensation, but from this time forth and forevermore. When Isaiah spoke the prophecy, he set in motion Something that God wanted you and I to know in 2019. He wanted us to know in this postmodern culture that when he is allowed to be involved and when we embrace what he has offered to us, there is a transforming power that you can find nowhere else in life. You can't find it in a self-help book. You can't go to enough seminars to learn what this passage could teach you. Amen. There's prophesied in this passage a change, but a change not just of surface things, but a change of the landscape of a person's life. And oh, the change that God produces. I would sometime that we could have a service of before and after grace. I would that we could, if we weren't too embarrassed to show them pictures of what once was and pictures of what now is. And all because of the grace of God. You don't have to be ashamed of where you came from. You ought to be excited that he was able to extract you out of that.
and put you on a new path and head you in the right direction for your life. You ought to rejoice in that today that you have been changed by the power of the almighty God. Oh, hallelujah. And here's what's so amazing to me. God is so confident in what he says in this passage that he is willing to stake his name on it. His reputation is on it. God said in the last verse, he said, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign. And you heard what the New Living Trans, or the, the New Living Translation said, that this is to display the power and the grace of Almighty God. Even more than just poetical words, they are a description of a great change. And he uses a reference here that is so important for us to understand. He speaks in this verse of thorns. And thorns are spoken of here as a reminder to man of the, uh, of the byproduct of his fall. If you go back to the beginning in Genesis, you find that Adam and Eve, in disobeying the Lord's command to their life, put a, a, a punishment on their life because of that disobedience. And part of their punishment was the change that was going to happen in the landscape of their life. The Garden of Eden was no longer available. Angels were set at the gate to keep them from coming back. And then the Lord said this to Adam, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and Thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And from that day forward, the natural soil of life would produce these irksome, irritating, unwanted guests, thorns. They became indigenous to the soil. They come up naturally. You don't have to do anything for them to show up. There's some things that still remains in us, that if we do not keep it subdued by the Holy Ghost, will shock you when it surfaces. Amen. They are indicative of what is useless, prickly, hurtful, wasteful, useless. Life would be for them from that day forward, full of sharp, and pointed and painful things that would tear and wound and hurt and maim them and prove most of all a nuisance to their life. There are some things that will grow up without you even having to make an effort because they are indigenous to the soil. They made life difficult for man. It was hard. He would earn his he would earn his living by the sweat of his brow. It would be burdensome, hard, and painful. And we find that where all of this began, it began when Eve allowed her eyes to be distracted to something 
that her head and her heart had already told her not to look at because she had already been given instruction. And so her eyes got her in trouble. The Bible said she saw that it was good to eat. And when she saw that it was good to eat, she forgot about everything else that had been said. She forgot about what she had heard. Amen. I want that to sink in because there's a principle there. You see, the effective agency of change in our text is not the eye, but the ear. Because if you go back up a few verses, he said, incline your ear. Hear what I'm having to say to you. Hear what I'm wanting to say to you. Open your ears and listen and forget about what you see, but listen to what I'm saying to you. And so from that moment forward, it became the hearing. Men are saved by the preached word of God. They hear that word. You don't necessarily have to see it to believe it, but you can hear it and believe it. And that works for the good. If you can hear what the Spirit is trying to say to you today, you can experience real lasting change in your life that you will never regret and you will never want to go back from. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right now. My scripture today tells me that God wants to transform my setting. Instead of the useless, the vain, the worthless, the fruitless, the encumbering, the retarding, the painful, the anguishing, the bloodletting, something better is promised. Instead of the thorn, instead of the briar, change was going to happen in their lives. Change is what many people desire. Many of you this morning are desirous of some kind of change in your life. But for the most part, I feel like people are looking down the wrong paths for that change. They are looking down the wrong pathway. Some people feel like they are cursed That is just part of who they are and they will never get out from under that shadow. Some people feel like if they didn't have bad luck, they wouldn't have any luck. Amen. And some of you in this building today are praying for change and God heard that. And so he orchestrated a music director that listened to the Holy Ghost to put together a praise list of songs that would have that word injected so he could throw that word out at you. And then he puts a preacher before you with the same word and said, now I want to tell you where change really happened. I want to tell you where it really begins, where it really takes place. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Here's what happens when we desire change. We make adjustments, but adjustments don't work. We make alterations to our life, to our perspective, but the alterations do not last. We even cut things off 
But even cutting them off doesn't solve the problem. Because it's not long until they're growing back up. They're, they're surfacing again in our life. And so because of that, most people, myself included, for the most part, those efforts are fruitless. And thus frustration follows when nothing really changes. You try planting something new, but the old keeps showing up. And these words, oh Lord, the, 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 these words that are spoken here in our text today, if we could grasp what the Holy Ghost is saying, the changes that we make don't always result in the right outcome. Why? And here's the lesson that our text tells us. Because the right thing did not change. The right thing. You can make a lot of changes in your life, but if you don't change the right thing, because the right thing is the trigger for all the other things. And there are a lot of people that are going through life trying to do it by yourself. You're trying to, you, you, you just, you know what the word said. You know what the preacher said, but you got a stubborn streak in you that's a mile long and a, and a football field wide. And you just have made up in your mind. I know what to do. I know how to handle. And yet today you're more frustrated than you've ever been because all the junk and stuff and things that you've done to alter and change and dig up or change or cut down hasn't really produced the change in your life and it's because the right thing hasn't changed all right you probably want me to hurry up go back to the scripture with me and let's go to that word instead here is the kind of change that's needed the text does not say that he digs up the thorn And plants the myrtle or the fir tree. The scripture does not say that he planted some fir seed and, or he planted a fir sapling and that fir sapling just crowded out the other stuff. The scripture says instead. Now, go back to the beginning. Indigenous to the soil of life is the seed of the thorn. And yet God promises a transformation in my life, not of my outward circumstances, not of the things that I see, but he promises me that he has the power to change the soil of my life so that the seed becomes different. The seed produces differently in my life because the soil has been changed in my life. You see, until there's a change in your nature, you can make all the adjustments you want to make in life, and they're not going to last or work. But if you can ever get to the place of surrender where you let God work on your nature, instead, say it with me, instead of frustration, 
instead of bitterness, instead of anger, instead of frustration, instead of fear, instead of doubt, instead of worry, instead of jealousy, instead of hatefulness. I'm talking about a radical transformation where God does something on the inside so that the soil of your life begins to produce something it has not had the ability to produce before. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right now. Praise God. This is where real change happens. It has to happen in the soil of your life, in the nature. Quit praying for God to change your circumstances. I've said it before, God can change your circumstances, but if there's not a change in you, you'll figure out a way to mess up those changed circumstances. Oh, your God's work has to begin in the inner man, not just the natural man. And so many times we make all these adjustments to our natural man. We read these self-help books and it said, okay, get up in the morning and do this. And so you get up in the morning and do that. And yet, by the end of the day, you're still ticked off. Amen. It's like all that stuff just comes flooding back. You remember the story about the, the preacher that was uh, needing a lawnmower and he's walking down the street and, and, and he, he saw this young boy just pushing a lawnmower out to the curb. And he, he said, son, you want to sell that? He said, sure. oh, yeah, I want to sell it. He said, well, would you take a trade? Sure, I'll take a trade. What do you have to trade? I have a bicycle. Oh, I love a bicycle. So they swapped. The little boy got on a bicycle and rode off just singing and having a happy time. The preacher took that mower home, and he couldn't get it to crank. And so finally, toward the end of the day, he went back to the young boy, and he said, hey, what's wrong with this? I thought you said it wrong. Oh, it does. He said, well, I can't get it to run. He said, oh, I forgot to tell you. You've got to cuss it before you can get it to run. He said, oh, my word, I'm a preacher. I don't say those kind of things. He said, just keep pulling. It'll come back to you. And that's the, that, that's the thing with some of it. We think we've got it all under wraps. We've got, we, we're cool now. We've got it all figured out. We've gone by our self-help book, and we've done this, and we've done that, and we've got up this way, and we've gone to bed that way. And yet all it takes is one little incident. For that thing to show back up and we're back at square one. I'm going to tell you how to eliminate that. You need to get God and God needs to get a hold of you. And you need to let him keep working on you until he transformed that nature and that soil. So that instead of the thorn, instead of the briar, instead of bitterness, instead of hatefulness, instead of anger, will come up peace and joy and gladness. That will come up hallelujah. That will come up praise unto the Lord because of his goodness to your life. Come on, praise him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
And here I'm closing. Here is the principle. If you want to stand with the rest of the, you can stand. Here is the principle of life. Physical change does not always result in spiritual change. But spiritual change will always result in physical change. Now, I'm not telling you to throw your self-help books away, but I think you may need to put them on the shelf beside the closet and get the book back up and start listening to what the book has to say and digest what God is speaking into your life because he wants to change you from the inside out. Change me from the inside out. That's where the change needs to happen today. We can make all the adjustments in life that we want. We can do all the surface stuff. And I'm not saying that that's all bad. I applaud anybody for trying to make an effort. But you can do all that and it still not produce the change that you want. If you want to an instead kind of miracle. You're going to have to let God get so involved in your life that He can work on your nature and He can start to swap out that old soil and put back into it a soil. He transformed the soil. That's all there is to say. I mean, what once came up doesn't come up anymore. Oh yeah. What once happened doesn't happen. The thorn was a symbol of the curse. And yet God can remove the curse from your life. Amen. Through the power of His grace. And He is so confident of that. He stakes His reputation on it. He puts His name on it. <laughs> yeah. You, you, can't, you can't push God in a corner. Because grace really does make a difference. Here's what you need to understand. Life loses its power to chafe you when you grow in faith. When you grow in grace, life loses its ability to irritate you. Sharp, listen to me, that sharp, biting tongue that you seem to be blessed with disappears the moment gratitude floods your heart and you become aware of how good God has been in your life. Oh, yes. Life loses its power to anger you when joy comes flooding in. The petty irritations of life are replaced with His peace that passeth all understanding. Worry and doubt die when you grow the right things in your life. Amen. Life loses its power to frustrate you when faith is allowed to grow and operate. Disorder flees when His presence becomes evident in your life. Did you hear that? Disorder flees when you allow his presence to move. He hovered over 
the deep. That's the original version of, of Genesis 1 and 1. He hovered, he brooded over that darkness and chaos. And that darkness and chaos began to feel the influence of his power. And he drove that chaos away. And in its place came light. In its place came purpose. In its place came the glory of God. And that's what God wants to do over my life. He wants to brood over me. And I'll get myself in a place where God can do that. He will remove the chaos. He'll drive out the confusion in my life. If I let him really work on what he wants to work on. Woo! Is anybody here interested in letting God work on what he really wants to work on? Come on, let him work on your nature. Let him work on that soil of your life. <laughs> oh! Lord, hurt languishes in the good of God's mercies. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. Oh, Lord.